Greetings, dear listener, and welcome to Natural 20-somethings, an audio program detailing and discussing the danger, depth, difficulties, diversions, dice, decadence, and drama of D&D. We're ever so pleased you're here. everyone and welcome to Natural 20-somethings. I am Laurel. And I'm Olivia. Our episode today for you greedy sons of bitches for whom one character class is simply not enough. We're talking about multi-classing. Uh, we want to break down the potential benefits and drawbacks of choosing to multi-class your character and give you some hopefully useful advice for building a multi-classed character that you love. Uh, from the player's handbook, I have gathered some quotes. Multiclassing allows you to gain levels in multiple classes. Doing so lets you mix the abilities of those classes to realize a character concept that might not be reflected in one of the standard class options. As you advance in levels, you might primarily remain a member of your original class, with just a few levels in another class, or you might change course entirely, never looking back at the class you left behind. You might even start progressing in a third or fourth class. Compared to a single class character of the same level, you'll sacrifice some focus in exchange for versatility. So, uh, what are your thoughts in general on multi-classing? I'm a big fan, just in general. I really, really love when the numbers and the things on your sheet reflect emotional character beats, and that tends to be when I multi-class the most, but also it's just really cool. <laughs> no, I definitely, I see that in your characters. I think that, like, for the most part, when you choose to dip into another class, it is very rarely motivated by ability gaining alone. Like, you are you are looking for some sort of additional flavor, some character momentum, character movement, character growth, in a direction that the current class isn't offering. And it's like, it is abilities-based in the sense that you are choosing a class that complements your character very well, but it is not, like, strictly... It's you're not you're not doing it for the lols. Like <laughs> that's not what I meant at all. <laughs> I mean, I am it's doing it for the lols, and that's exactly why I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, you are doing it for the lols, is what I meant. Like it it is not purely mechanical for you. I don't think. I mean, and the mechanical aspects of it are also really fun and really interesting. I think, you know, it adds a little bit of interest and a little bit of like, I don't know, something extra uh, to a character, especially if you're getting bored with the class too. Oh, for sure. I think for me, I I tend not to multi-class. I tend to be a person who sticks to whatever their primary class is pretty directly. Um, but I will say that like, I think the higher in levels you get the more multi-classing becomes appealing for various reasons. Yeah, I just I just tend to like multi-classing a lot because I kind of just want to try everything, you know? Like, oh, just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. That could be fun. Like, it's just, it's hard for me to choose just one thing. It's the bisexual dilemma. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, I, and this is the thing too, is that with multi-classing, I, I don't think that there is ever a reason not to do it like if you want to dip into other classes dip into other classes uh I, I think there are some that feel very natural to me for example uh the like blade singer wizard swashbuckler rogue like there are three of those in existence right now at tables that i am aware of one of which is eventually mine he has not multi-classed yet but that is the plan and it's just like those just they fit so well together they make a very nice complement to the abilities that it doesn't even necessarily feel like oh I, i'm trading 
power for versatility, it feels like, yeah, this was a, a smart choice. Um, so on, on a sort of smart choice track, what do you think are some of the benefits of multiclassing? Um, well, definitely gaining more ability just in general. The versatility is obviously the sort of main benefit of multiclassing. You know, oftentimes when you multiclass, you gain extra weapon proficiencies or, you know, occasionally another skill or, you know, thieves tools or sneak attack or what have you. Those little extra abilities are really, really nice for broadening your character's abilities. And I think largely that depends on the party that you have. Like one of the reasons I multiclassed was because we did not have a healer in our party at all. And I was like, well, I'm a warlock and now I'm a cleric. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but just having that little extra like access to different spells even the things you get at first and second level are so huge oh for sure i and i think that's something that's interesting to me about multiclassing is a lot of classes i think have some of their best abilities at levels one through five Mm -hmm. like they are they are often the most distinctive in their different classes at levels one through five so if you can pick up like five levels in a bunch of different classes you will have a, a huge range of abilities that are all pretty pretty good <laughs> like there's there's very few things that you're going to pick up at one through five that are not going to be enormously useful to you oh no absolutely I think that's where a lot of the flavor comes from too. Those first few levels that really is where you establish anyway. And I think it sort of gives you the thrill of having a level one character again without being so squishy, you know? (laughs) It's true. Yeah, for sure. Like in terms of character for me, character moments and character growth seem to be the primary reasons I multiclass and the ones that I tend to find the most fulfillment out of eventually for multiclassing. But Again, like adding that extra flavor right away is really nice and it gives your character a way of exploration. Like it, it's an it's a clear path of exploration for them. They're like, hey, I have these new abilities that don't fit with what originally I was designed for, what I thought I would be. So let's explore these. And it can feel new and interesting in that way. I think I, it's it's interesting to me to hear you talk about this because as, as we know, historically, I am not someone who multiclasses. There have been very few characters in my, you know, deep well of characters that I have that I have ever dipped into multiple classes intentionally to be like, ah, oh, I would like these abilities. Oh, I feel like this, like, fits my character from a story standpoint. So, like... As someone, me, who, like, is almost entirely power-focused, like, I'm like, I want to be the best of the best at whatever my character's supposed to be able to do, I tend not to be willing to exchange for versatility. So, I don't I don't know if we want to talk about drawbacks, or if you have, like, the case for versatility, <laughs> you have some sort of, like, really compelling argument for me. Well, but. I think it depends on the party, and I think, you know, having the right group of people, like, for me, I tend to go for versatility. I think that's why I like monks so much, why they're my absolute favorite class why I prefer you know clerics and warlocks over any other spellcaster etc etc like I like being able to do a whole bunch of different things and having a bunch of different options within that class itself but you know in your party you do need people who are power based you need the heavy hitters you need the people who can like control the battlefield like nobody else can that is like something that you absolutely need in your party and so I, I, I think they serve multiple purposes, but, you know, I, I do think this is an interesting discussion, though, because, like, yeah, it's funny. You never multiclass. I almost always do. And even when I, like, go into a campaign being like, I'm not going to multiclass, I'm like, mm, but will I, though? <laughs> like, 
<laughs> Ooh, what what's coming down the road for me? Yeah. So, you know, there's there's benefit to both and you need both in a party, I think. Yeah, for sure. And I, I do think what you said about like it depends on the party. And I think, too, it depends on how many people are in the party. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a, a, a table of like six players, you probably won't need to multi-class because chances are you're going your your options are going to be very limited in the sense that you might be dipping into a class that already exists at the table mm-hmm. but if you have like a table of two or three having those extra abilities and the like opportunity to dip into things that the party simply straight up does not have can be very very critical to succeeding in the game quote unquote exactly so as a multi-class hoe I'm going to ask you what you think the drawbacks are (laughs) from an objective standpoint. Okay, I'll try to be objective. For me... The, the reason why I tend not to do it is because there the trade-off of choosing to take a lower level in a different class, it takes a long time to pay off. Like, a multi-class can be a very strong build much later in the game, but if you start multi-classing super early at, like, you know, level two or three or four, you're going to lag behind the other characters in some aspects for a while in my opinion. I think that it can feel really easy to feel very weak as like, let's say at level five, you have a level five paladin and then you have someone else who's multi-classed as like, I don't know, artificer druid, for example, to pull a (laughs) multi-class that is currently at one of my tables. If you're like a level two artificer, level three druid, you're not going to be able to compete with the paladin in terms of raw power, which like <laughs> you probably can't compete with the paladin in terms of raw power ever. At no, all. it's overpowered, and I hate it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! I love paladins. Ooh, my favorites. Um, you, it's easy to feel like I've I I shouldn't have done this, or like I've I've traded my ability to you know go very hard and very well at the things that I want my character to do in exchange for versatility that's that's just not something to me that feels worth it like i i am the person who is like i will go just ape shit into my specific assigned role in the party i'm like what am i am i the damage dealer am i the support spellcaster am i the damage spellcaster like what do you want me to do and i will dive into that and i will be that because i trust that the rest of the party will have my back mm-hmm. and so i just want to be the best at what i do and i don't think that multiclassing allows you to do that see i'm the person who comes in being like i'm so excited to see what everyone else can do so i can fill in the gaps like i am so ready to be like that kind of person for the party it is interesting though so like right now yes i agree that multi-classing is extremely powerful at higher levels but i do have a counter example to that go for it um i have currently we're level what 17 18 in this campaign and it's a i have like 15 levels in fighter and two levels in barbarian or 16 in fighter two in barbarian something like that i took two levels in barbarian very early on and that was extremely powerful i became a tank overnight basically and i could deal insane amounts of damage but mostly my role was to take insane amounts of damage and specifically the like race i designed it had all these resistances uh and it was really useful for the campaign but now that we're getting we're 
going to level 20. And now that we're approaching level 20, I am really being like, oh man, I want that fourth attack, like (laughs) as a fighter. Um, And I think it just depends on the class, like with martial classes, and it depends on how high you're going. Like spellcasters, absolutely. But again, there's the trade-off, right? Because if you multi-class as a spellcaster, oftentimes you can't reach, you can't get ninth level spells. I was, I was going to point that out, actually. I had a, um, a player multi-class in, oh shit, what was it? It was like Sorcerer and Bard. And, um, he, and then he also dipped into a bunch of other, like, charisma casters. He had, he had a, a million different spellcasting abilities, basically. And he, by the end of that campaign, was really frustrated with it because it was like he had a billion first-level spell slots and it, it was not enough to compete with the other characters at that table at that time and I do think he kind of he he bit off a little bit more than he can chew like he, he took way too many um multi-classes but like it's it's interesting to see that where it's like you know do you want access to let's say like cleric spells badly enough to sacrifice your future access to certain higher level spells mm-hmm. in your primary class and I, I do agree with what you said too about like it depends on how high you're gonna go and I, I think that in a world where to my understanding very few campaigns ever moved beyond level 10 like you play 210 and then you know you end it or you never play again or you know like you retire those characters at at level 10 for a long time the highest level character I'd ever played was a level 13 character and now I'm (laughs) over here rocking like level 20s like this is so fun and it's I think there's something scary about higher levels but um they're a lot of fun we should talk about that let's talk about playing playing high level campaigns but to, to that end, I, I do think that, like, making an educated decision in multiclassing does come from, you know, like, what am I willing to give up in the name of versatility has to come from a knowledge of how high your character is going to go. Like, if you're going to get to level 16, you can decide and divide however you want. Right, exactly. But, like, even, like, so the other campaign where we're level 20 and we're going to continue to play level 20 that's my like monk 18 ranger 2 and it actually ends up being more powerful in the end because the monk capstone ability is you know useless in my opinion I really like the level 18 ability that as the capstone works well for me and then I get extra damage and I get all these extra abilities with just two levels in ranger which is really really great and that actually makes it a more powerful class than if it were just monk alone no I agree and I think um so it's interesting to me that you bring up that campaign because that I I also wanted to bring up that campaign in that I I have designed an NPC for that party um this is this is my table by the way hi <laughs> <laughs> I, hi um i have designed an npc for that party who functions as as a character he's just he's a level 20 pc npc is what we call them um and he is a level 18 bard level 2 rogue and i took those levels in rogue after level 18 <laughs> and it did feel a little like like underwhelming to take a first level in rogue when you're an 18th level character but those two levels in rogue <laughs> benefited him from from the moment that he took them they have been useful and also i i just i took them because i didn't like the level 19 level 20 bard abilities i was just like i don't want these i don't need these for him what else what else will be useful on the battlefield and that's that's why i chose rogue we've thrown around the word versatility a lot with multi-classing i think use might be a better or usefulness might be a better word to use here because it's just what's gonna fit your table 
I think is the important question to ask. And so in that vein, uh, I think we should move on to our last question here, which we sort of touched on at the beginning. Let's go in a nice full circle, shall we? So what motivates people to multi-class? As someone who doesn't multi-class, I want you to answer this question for me. <laughs> a, a good question, a good question. For me, um, I, I think primarily it comes down to... Um, character reasons like if i i feel like a character's story will be better benefited by dipping into another class or grabbing abilities from somewhere else i will do that however <laughs> it has to be worth it like i i have to know how high a level the character is going to go i have to know in advance like with exactly how many levels of what i'm going to take and what i'm going to be trading in order to get that it for me multi-classing is like this will be worth it to me and interesting for my character if it makes sense to me for the character to learn these abilities in the world and to like have these other options then i want them i'm like yes give me that just doesn't happen to me often because i'm like just going i'm like train tracks just barreling straight down <laughs> Train tracks to level 20. 310 to level 20. Let's go. Three. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think literally all but one of my characters is either multi-classed or going to be multi-classing very soon. So it's really interesting if I go through and sort of like catalog why I multi-class for each of those characters. It is mostly a combination of character and ability. And I mentioned this at the top of the episode, but I really, really love making character choices based on ability scores and making ability scores reflect characters. I, I like that sort of like nice synergy between the paper and the role play. And so that tends to be why I multi-class. I do tend to power game a little bit sometimes, like the two levels in Barbarian. Absolutely. I specifically took those because I was like, I want resistance and I want reckless attack. I want to be able to say, let me roll with advantage whenever I want. And yeah, I those are motivations for me. But like the other one, I have a warlock cleric. That is not an optimal <laughs> multi-class. In terms of mechanics, I have to spread out my ability scores like crazy. However, it works very well for me and within that party because we were really lacking in the cleric abilities. And I managed to pick, you know, the subclasses that fit really well for all of them. And, you know, I think subclass is a huge factor in all of this, like picking the right subclass if you need as well. It's all about flavor. It's all about, you know, like delicious character moments. I really love them. <laughs> oh, for sure. What you saying that reminded me of was the fact that it's like, if your character does what you want your character to do, that's a good character. You know, like the 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 warlock cleric multiclass on paper, you could look at that and be like, what are you doing? It, it, and it's the same thing with like druid artificer. Like, what is that? But it's like, these characters are really fun. They're really rich. They have a lot going on. And like, yeah, are they going to be just like, you know, power game optimized, like hard hitter straight out the gate? No, they're not. But they, they have a, a unique richness to them. And I love to have them at my table. Well, I don't typically choose to play them. I, I, I like them. I do. I just, I, I think they're fun. Brings us to our very last reason why people multi-class. Because it's fun. <laughs> multi-class because you want to, honestly. Make the character you want and don't let, you know, Reddit tell you you shouldn't do that because it's not optimized. If it's optimized for you, it's optimized. <laughs> Optimization is only about having fun. That's actually not true, but it is for me. <laughs> It should be it should be the truth. Maybe the true optimization was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> yes.
some magic we just find spellbinding. Okay, so this week's spellbinding is one of the new spells. I'm very excited to talk about it. It's from Strixhaven, and it's Silvery Barbs. <laughs> the fanfare almost happened. I stopped I... it. <laughs> it's a staple now. <laughs> I, I, I took in a deep breath to do it, and then I was like, no! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, fanfare or not, the description is as follows. This is a reaction spell with a range of 60 feet that does the following when a creature makes an attack roll, saving throw, or ability check. You magically distract the triggering creature and turn its momentary uncertainty into encouragement for another creature. The triggering creature must re-roll the d20 and use the lower roll. You can then choose a different creature you can see within range. You can choose yourself. The chosen creature has advantage on the next attack roll, ability check, or saving throw it makes within one minute. A creature can be empowered by only one use of this spell at a time. So... With that description in mind, Laurel, what makes this spell so powerful? Oh my goodness, I love it. So this this is like me support spellcaster, support spellcaster dream. Like this is like, <laughs> I could not ask for a more beautiful spell. The thing for me that really brings Silvery Barbs home is that it is a, a buff and a debuff in one. Like this is typically... I don't know that I cannot think off the top of my head. There probably is one. So nobody come for me. I can't think off the top of my head of another spell that is buff and debuff like at the same time. I think that the the ability to (laughs) hinder an opponent and help another player out is like mm, delicious. I love it so much. Yeah, it's it's pretty darn good. Honestly, part of me is just like, this feels like a lot for a first level spell. Are they sure? Like, do you want to give that to us? <laughs> oh, absolutely. And and I think something something that feels particularly fun to me about this spell is that it's like, it's not what you'd expect. Like, this this is not a spell that I would have ever expected to see come out in a D&D playbook. Like, by any means. And and this is coming from me who, who has written spells that are broken. <laughs> and absurd but they're a lot of fun like it's a lot of fun to think like what spells can I give my characters and this this is one of those things that feels very similar to a spell that I might come up with where it's like it might be a little bit too powerful and it might be (laughs) classed way too low of a level but it's so fun like and I think there's there's a strong element of chance in this like there's no guarantee that you know if you cause a creature to re-roll a d20 that they're not going to hit or they're not going to save or what have you and there's no guarantee that granting your ally advantage is necessarily going to benefit them it's like the opportunities are are like that's what makes it so exciting to me but that combo of disadvantage and advantage is huge like as you said that debuff plus buff like that improves your chances so much well but i feel like there are a ton of different abilities that sort of do this you know there's like portent rolls which are very fun which divination wizards get at level two i think and there are you know I think there's a level six grave domain cleric ability where you can cancel out criticals, you know? So it feels very much in that vein. It also feels very bardic inspiration, like cutting words, which is interesting. Although I will argue that it's overpowered because it's attack roll, ability check, or saving throw. Like it covers all the bases. <laughs> it's true. It does. And I think I I don't disagree that it's overpowered. <laughs> I I don't think that you're wrong to say that. 
Uh, but I am also the person who their favorite class is paladin. <laughs> like I love paladins, and I will also openly admit <laughs> that they are overpowered. But it's like there's something about it that is just like it's just overpowered enough to be like hee hee. This is such a fun spell to cast and to have, and not enough to like ruin the game. Right. Well, the other thing about it is that you know it's a reaction. You burn through spell slots like nobody's business with that. Like, you can use this a ton of times, but it doesn't scale as you go up for spell slots. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where, like, it's it's like Cheez-Its, you know? You eat one and you're like, this is pretty good, <laughs> and then suddenly half the box is gone. Yeah, that's your spell slots. Sorry. No, it's true. I, I, I was going to tell a weird anecdote about a friend that I had who ate an entire bag of goldfish by herself before I had even had one. Um, and... <laughs> It feels a little like that, where it's just like, you you really can burn through spell slots really quickly with this spell, and I think that that might be, I don't want to say part of the risk, because you consciously choose to expend a spell slot, it's not like, oh, I didn't realize I was low on spell slots by any means, but um, yeah, it, it'll, it'll burn them up like, like rocket fuel for sure. It really will. They're, they're the... Uh... <laughs> some reason my brain is like they're sour patch kids like they have (laughs) what lots of calories but no substance (laughs) there's substance there i think there's substance here but i was just trying to think of a thing that you just eat a lot of and then you're like oh shit that's like a lot of calories and then you look at the box and you're like "Mm, there's no nutrition in (laughs) so literally any candy (laughs) correct silvery barbs the candy of spells correct (laughs) delicious dangerous they're magically delicious. <laughs> yes, magically delicious. Look, we know we're not supposed to pick favorites, but we did. Okay, we're picking favorites again, like we always do. <laughs> uh, today, we are talking about who our favorite character is that we've played and why. So let's start with you, Olivia. Who is your favorite character and why? So I kind of, you asked me if we could do this, and then I said yes, and now I'm regretting it because I love all my babies right? so much. I literally just had that thought. I was like, oh no, <laughs> how do I answer this question? I, I think I have to go with the first character I've ever played. Uh, Her name is Mara. She's my monk that I've talked about probably ad nauseum at this point, but I've played her since level one through now to level 20, and I absolutely love the character journey she's been on, and I also love the abilities that she has and what she can do on paper as well. I think she's extremely powerful and extremely fun and her character has grown and changed so much over the course of, you know, these 20 levels. I've played her for what, like two years straight and I just, well, she's not, but anyway, um, (laughs) I, I, I love her. She just like, I'm able to project everything that I need to onto her and also be completely my own person. Like, I've made, like, three playlists for her. That's kind of how I decided. I'm like, which character has the most playlists? And it's Mara. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like that's a pretty good measure for um, <laughs> how much you love them. It's like, how much content outside of D&D have I produced for this character? It's a good, a good measuring stick, I think. 
How about you, Laurel? Who is your favorite? Oh my goodness. I do. I also love them all a little too much. But I do think that the award, it's got to go to Ross. (laughs) I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it is about this motherfucker, but I love him so much. Um, He is a a moon druid fearbolg, and he is obsessed with tea and will try to make tea out of anything. And we had a running gag about... um, he has a mug that says world's dad <laughs> instead of world's best dad because he just fathers anyone and everyone who crosses his path. Like, people, I think, joke about, like, oh, the party dad. Ross was, like, <laughs> legit the party dad. He was dad of everyone all the time. And I I don't know what it is about him. There's something about, like, his voice and the way that he views the world and um, all of the just sort of, like... I put a lot of love and effort into his backstory the deeper we got into that campaign. And speaking of, like, content that exists for characters of ourselves, I have, like, a hundred pages of backstory that I've written for Ross, like, in prose. I have a pillow that was beautifully uh, embroidered for me (laughs) by one of the other party members that has Ross on it. I have a little minifigure. He has two playlists, which is twice as many as any other character that I have. (laughs) Like... I just, there is something about him that really connects with me and my soul on a level that I don't think any other character quite has. Uh, And he was also really, um, he was around at a time in my life when I needed to process a lot of, like, family emotional damage and trauma and things that were going on. And, like, he, he really was very key for me in, like, accessing my emotions in a way that I never had before. I cried multiple times in character as Ross. <laughs> so I think I gotta give gotta give him the, the big ol' favorite sticker. No, that's really sweet. I, I really love that. Do we have any honorable mentions? I feel like we need to give them because uh, I'm gonna hurt if I don't at least mention <laughs> my other babies. <laughs> I, oh, absolutely. I feel like if I'm, if I'm gonna pick one other honorable mention, it would go to my first character ever, who is Fee. Uh, he is a, a bard rogue. Now he's the bard rogue, as aforementioned in this episode. Uh, just the... <laughs> I accidentally made the world's horniest bard before I knew that that was a trope. He is a, a half-siren glamour bard, and he is mm, delicious. I love him a lot. <laughs> I, I have to go with Athena, who is my also aforementioned fighter barbarian, who is just like so surprising and so so different from who I am in many ways. Like she has this level of confidence that I have been able to bring into my everyday life, and I really just love her for it. See, now I'm thinking about Ares, and I feel like he's got to be up there. I love them all. <laughs> See, and now I'm thinking about Siobhan and how she's really cool and just has the whole aesthetic going. <laughs> it, it, I mm, just give give them all to me. Alrighty, Olivia, it is your turn for inspiration. Show and tell. Come to the front of the class. I, this week, I want to give my inspiration out to kind of an entire party. So we're playing, um, uh, we've been playing Curse of Strahd for a while now. We've had to play on and off throughout the years because COVID, et cetera, et cetera. But this past 
session we I felt really gelled as a party and it felt really good like we'd been gelling before but we really got a nice rhythm going to it and it wasn't in combat it was all role play but the character interactions the way that we moved and interacted with each other even over the internet just felt really nice like there was a really great give and take and I was talking with the DM about this too where I feel like all of our characters she was surprised when we hadn't we didn't walk off and mess something up royally (laughs) or go wander off and be chaotic because that tends to be our party but I noticed while we were playing like there was a conscious moment when I sat there and I was like wow this is amazing where all of our characters acted as counterweights for the other like if someone needed to express or vent an emotion our characters were right there to counterweight that be that the the voice of reason when they needed it and it didn't feel out of character so it was just a really nice moment for the entire party where they really gelled and I really loved it it was it was really inspiring in the moment too I remember just sitting there feeling like oh this is what working as a team is this is what D&D is all about Mm, I love that synergy thank you dear listener for lending your ears may the stories you tell be grand and humble in equal measure May the characters you meet be brimming with adventure, and may the chances you take lead to some natural twenties.